Hi again, everybody. I'm Dan Horde, and thanks for downloading the Bengals Booth Podcast, the Oops, I Did It Again edition, as the Bengals come from behind to beat the Kansas City Chiefs for the third time this year, all by three-point margins. The final score in this case, 27-24. Coming up, you'll hear radio replays, one-on-one locker room interviews, and analysis from my broadcast partner, Dave Lapham. Then, in this week's Fun Facts segment, you'll get to know an undrafted rookie out of Vanderbilt who made his NFL debut a few weeks ago, Alan George. The Bengals Booth Podcast is brought to you by Paycor. More than 29,000 customers trust Paycor to help them recruit, pay, engage, and retain employees. Learn more at Paycor.com. Now, here's a quick reminder that you can have the latest edition of this podcast delivered right to your phone, tablet, or computer by subscribing wherever you get your podcasts. It's the greatest thing since inexplicable hot streaks. I am a mediocre pool player. In fact, I might not even be mediocre. But recently, my wife Peg and I went out to a bar and decided to play pool. I don't know how it happened. I don't know why it happened. But for some reason, I got white hot and played like I was Minnesota Fats in his prime. Bank shots. Sharp side pocket shots that required Joe Burrow accuracy. You name it, I did it and the game was over in record time. Peg wanted a rematch. I told her it would have to wait. I am not going to spoil the memory of that performance for at least another week. Now, let's get to the radio replays from the Bengals' latest thrilling win over Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, and the Kansas City Chiefs. Second and goal from the Kansas City Four. 8.54 left in the first quarter. Burrow runs a quarterback draw. Joe slicing toward the end zone, waiting for the touchdown signal. There it is! Touchdown, Bengals, as they go 75 yards to begin the game, and Joe Burrow runs it in from the four. Third down and eight from the Kansas City 12. Boyd motions, he lines up in the slot to the left with Chase out wide to the left. Higgins out to the right. Burrow throws a slam. Nice. Higgins with the catch. Get in. He breaks a tackle. He extends the ball. Touchdown. Nice. Bengals as the Bengals score touchdowns on their first two drives. And T. Higgins, big, strong body, full-grown man. Not, not only does he box people out and out-jump people for the football, high-point the football, it's 6'4", 220 pounds or so. That run after catch was as good as you're going to see. Mahomes in the gun. McKinnon to his right. Three receivers in a cluster out to the left. Mahomes catches the shotgun snap. Looking. Throws. McKinnon catches. And he runs into the end zone for the Kansas City touchdown. Yeah, McKinnon was wide open from jump street. Burrow under center. Fourth and less than a yard. 51 seconds left in the half. P. Ryan behind him and running back. Burrow touches his helmet. Samaj P. Ryan gets closer. He might be pushing Joe Burrow here. Burrow gave it to Trent oh. Taylor, and he's oh. tackled for a loss Carlos. by Carlos Dunlap. Of all people, Carlos Dunlap hits the gap and crushes the Bengals on a goal line stand. Mahomes walks up to the offensive line. Now backs up into the shotgun. Sky Moore goes in jet motion out to the right. They hand it off. Pacheco, uh, no. he's got the first down. Uh. He's got a touchdown. 
spinning his way up the middle of the field and into the end zone for an eight-yard TD. Fourth and goal from the three. Juju Smith-Schuster goes in motion. Mike Hilton follows him out to the right. Mahomes back to throw. Pump fakes, oh, running no. up the middle of the field, leaps forward, Close loses out. the ball into the end zone, in. but they call a touchdown. He was already in, yeah. He had held the ball over the goal line before it was punched free, and it's a touchdown for Kansas City. Mahomes waiting for the shotgun snap. He catches. He looks. Finish. He throws. His sidearm throw caught over the middle. Jermaine Pratt will bring down Travis Kelsey. The ball comes out. The Bengals have it. Yes. At midfield. Takeaway time. Jamar Chase is in the backfield next to Burrow. Burrow wants to throw, short pass, caught at the five, Chris Evans into the end zone, touchdown, Bengals, Cincinnati takes the lead with 8.54 to go, the play clock is at four. Mahomes is ready, stomps the right foot, catches the shotgun snap. Finish. Here comes the rush. Mahomes running, Finish. hit, yeah. tackled. Asai. He's sacked. Asai. Brought down by Joseph Osai yeah. at the 36. It's fourth and six. He Will be- the Chiefs go for the long field goal? It'd be about a 54-yarder if they do, he be- and they will. From 55 yards away, trying to tie it. Low snap, handled. The kick is on its way. No, it no, get out, get out. No good. No, get out. He nice. missed it. Nice. And the Bengals will get the ball at their own 45 with 319 to go. Listen to the crowd here at Paycor Stadium. Burrow's in the shotgun. Two receivers left, one out to the right. Zach Taylor gesturing wildly to get Tyler Boyd to go in motion. He does. Burrow drops back to throw, wants to throw. His pass over the oh. middle. Oh. It is caught Unreal. by T. Higgins Unreal. in traffic <laughs> at the 14. And that is... Coffin nails. Bam, bam, bam. And Joshua Williams, welcome to the National Football League. You had great coverage, my man, but T. Higgins was just better. And Joe Burrow threw him a perfect ball. T. Higgins makes the play. And as for the play call by Zach Taylor, in the words of Bill Raftery, onions. Yeah. Gutsy. Whoa. Gutsy to say the least. Of course, it's much easier to make gutsy play calls when they are being executed by Joe Burrow. The Bengals quarterback, who turns 26 next Saturday, went 25 for 31. That's 81% for 286 yards with two touchdown passes, no interceptions, and a passer rating of 126.6. He also ran for 46 yards and a touchdown. His favorite target was Jamar Chase. After missing four games with a hairline hip fracture, Chase had seven catches for 97 yards and talked to Dave Lapham after the game. Jamar Chase, he's back. (laughs) So (laughs) what was it like out there, man? Take us through it. Uh, How was your conditioning? I mean, I know you're shaped like crazy. Oh, my God. Yo, yo, I was so tired out there, dog. It was good to be back, though, you know what I'm saying? Um, T.I. and Stan was doing a good job of getting me out of the game when they seen me tired, and Zach was doing a good job on the play calls and stuff, too, so it was all around good. Yeah, I mean, I, I figured, you know, because they told you, look, don't do anything, you know, get off of it. Don't. So, I mean, you go from, like, nothing to 100 miles an hour. It's like, man, that's a that's a big shock to anybody's system, but you're a genetic freak, man. For you to be able to go out and play like you did tonight with all the time that you talk, that's just unbelievable. Where where does all this ability come from? Uh, I, I really don't know, man. I was so excited to come back uh, today. I just 
I was really trying to hold all my energy in. That's probably what happened. You know, if I'd have been too excited to play this game, I'd have wasted all my energy being a pregame and in the locker room celebrating, then, you know, I probably wouldn't have had that game. But I had saved all my energy for this game. So, Samaje goes for over 100 rushing. You almost get 100 receiving, I think. That's balance. I mean, that's, that's what you need to do to beat good football teams. You guys have beaten the Kansas City Chiefs three times in less than one calendar year. What? Yeah, I mean, uh, we're just doing a good job of executing at the right time. And, and we got to win a game in the full quarter against the Chiefs. <laughs> it's, it's, it's unbelievable. And, and every game comes down to, you know, it's like a three-point game. It's like making a play or not making a play. That's what it comes down to. Who has the ball last and who makes a play? Exactly. Uh, and, and we did a good job of that today, me getting the first down. Samaja getting another first down and T getting another first down. So that's constantly first down to keep the chains moving so we can keep the ball. And when you got your first down, T threw a hell of a block for you to seal the edge and get you get you around the horn. And we talked about it many times. This wide receiver core is so unselfish, man. They'll block for each other. It doesn't matter who's who's getting the glory of such. Everybody does their job, right? Uh, it's funny because T went off on me today. I never T never went off on me. So when T went off on me, I was a little struck because I, I was supposed to stay and fall in bounds on a two-minute drill. And, T looked at me and started going off. I, I didn't. I didn't expect him to do that. So that means, you know, what I'm saying he caring and he wants me to do the right thing. You know, and I need somebody to be on me like that. So, good teammate. Well, it's it's good to have you back. Good to have number one back. And uh, one final question: When you guys come off the football field and they're mixing coverages up like that, who do you talk to? Do you talk to the receiver coach? Do you talk to Joe? Who who, who gathers all the information, the consensus to make the proper adjustments? Uh, we talk to everybody pretty much. You know, we talk to Troy. We talk to Joe. Um, and we talk to Zach sometimes. So, like, I mean, everyone's getting the input on what's going on. We don't want to just tell one person, so we got to all be on the same page out there. Appreciate you. Thank you. Welcome back. Appreciate it. <laughs> Chase was back, but Joe Mixon wasn't. He missed his second straight game after failing to clear concussion protocol. All Samaje Pirine did was carry 21 times for 106 yards and catch six passes for 49 more. Here's Joe Burrow on Pirine. I'm so happy that he's taken this opportunity and, and done what he's done with it because you know, he's one of those guys that you love being around, love being around every single day. It brings the juice, so consistent, day in and day out. Uh, he's going to get you two or three if there's nothing there, and that's, that's valuable. Samaje's 100-yard rushing performance was the third of his NFL career and his first in a Bengals uniform. The Bengals Booth Podcast is presented by Kettering Health, the official health care provider of the Bengals. With more than 120 care facilities and 1,500 care providers, Kettering Health is committed to guiding you to your best health. Visit KetteringHealth.org to learn more. The Bengals made two huge defensive plays in the fourth quarter that made their win possible. First, Jermaine Pratt ripped the ball away from Travis Kelsey and then recovered the fumble with the Bengals trailing by four. The offense capitalized with a 53-yard touchdown drive and took the lead for good on Burroughs' touchdown pass to Chris Evans. Then, after Kansas City drove to the Bengals 33 with less than four minutes to go, Joseph Osai sacked Mahomes on third down and three, and the Chiefs missed a 55-yard game-tying field goal attempt on the next play, Kansas City never got the ball back. I caught up with Osai in front of his locker. It was uh, it was scary for a second because um, you know we I, I knew we had a spy player, so I knew I had uh, inside or outside go. So I took I chose to take the inside, but he got away from me, 
and you know he's so dangerous when he breaks pocket. You know he can he can throw from multiple different angles. So I was just trying to get him get him back and get him back in chain, get him on the ground as quick as possible. So a little bit scary, but I'm, I'm glad we, we I was able to get it done. So Cam Sample is two lockers over to the left. He said, "Ask you about the celebration." Yeah, the first the first one with the Falcons, I went too crazy, and then. They were all me about it in meetings, you know, it was kind of funny. So I just, I overcorrected and I just turned around and hugged my guys. So that, they thought that was funny, but you know what I mean? It's, it's, all, it's, it's all part of the game. To beat this team three times in this calendar year, what's that mean? It means, it means we believe what we say. You know what I mean? They got to play us and um, we're going to keep going. We're going to keep stepping and one win at a time. One win at a time is behind us now, next game. Jermaine Pratt makes a, a point at practice to always talk about how it's about the ball. You got to force turnovers, etc. It's fitting a strip and a recovery. For sure, a big money P. That's what we call him. So um, he came up huge for us. We needed that. We needed that stop. And not only did he get the stop, but he, he took the ball away as well. So so we could have great field position. And uh, we went on to I think we went on to put up points on that on that drive. So um, big play for us. He's a Big key to our defense, and we're, and we're lucky to have them. Were you guys verbalizing it? Were you saying we need a takeaway? Of course, we always we always say that we always need a takeaway. Every drive, either either three and out, or we we need a takeaway. So, you know what I mean? Just, it is what it is. No team had beaten Patrick Mahomes three times in a row in his NFL career. I don't know if you're aware of that. It doesn't sound like it. Uh, what what do you, what does that mean to you? I wasn't I, I wasn't here for the first two, so you have to ask somebody else. But I'm pretty sure it's it's exciting to them. He's a great player, possible, definitely a Hall of Famer. So I'm pretty sure everybody who was part of the team that did that is going to be happy about that for sure. You were here for number three and made yes, a big sir. play. Congratulations. Appreciate that. Thank you. I want to share one more post-game interview. Midway through the third quarter with the Bengals trailing by three, Tyler Boyd dropped an easy 18-yard touchdown pass. In his seven years with the Bengals, do you ever remember Tyler Boyd dropping a sure touchdown? I don't. It doesn't sting nearly as much when your team pulls out the win. Tyler, congratulations, a phenomenal win. You guys beat the Chiefs three times in the calendar year of 2022. Nobody has ever beaten Mahomes three times in a row. How satisfying is this win? I mean, at the end of the day, uh, we have a great team. You know, we play collectively as a whole and we take, we take advantage of our opportunities and uh, we're gonna continue to play like that because um, we're a force to be reckoned with. I'm sure you're bummed about dropping that uh, possible touchdown pass. You had the most targets of any player in the league last year without a single drop, so we know it almost never happens. Did it hit you in the helmet? Yeah, man, I was just too relaxed on the play. You know, I usually just go go, go catch it, and it just it got to me. It, it, it kind of got away from me, hit me in the face, man. I didn't even touch my hands. So, you know, I just got to tighten up and just, just always look the ball in. Doesn't hurt nearly as badly when the team uh, pulls out the victory, and you had some big catches in the in the win as well. Absolutely, you know this is a big win. You know it's it's, it's a message, it's a statement. You know not for us, but for everybody out there not not believing in us. You know because we still got the team and we still got the potential and the talent to go where we uh, last left off last year. So, I mean it's a great win, but we got to win these conference games, these division games, and continue to roll. Right after the two-minute warning, it's third and long. Everybody's wondering, do you run and try to kill the clock, or do you try to throw a pass to basically end the game? I don't know if T was open. Uh, Joe somehow threaded the needle. T made the catch. What were your thoughts on that play? Yeah, um, I think it could have went either or. You know, Samaje was toting the ball right, but it was third and ten. So uh, 
Zach trusts us, the guys we got. We got the best receivers in the league, and we got the best quarterback in the league. So, I mean, put the ball in our hands. You guys have kind of had this mantra lately, they've got to play us. Uh, I think the league is recognizing that you better include Cincinnati on the list when talking about the best teams in the league. Absolutely. You know, um, even though we got the, the arguably the, probably the toughest, the best, well, the toughest schedule in the league, uh, we don't care about that because we are the toughest team in the league. That's how we portray ourselves, you know. But at the end of the day, like I continue to say, if we go out there and out execute the teams and continue to play polish and play poise and play fundamental football, then we'll always continue to be on top. It's a great receiving group, and you're the guy that leads it. Congrats on the win. Appreciate you. Bengals Booth Podcast is brought to you in part by Bengals Picks and Ultimate Bengals. They're free to play with tickets and signed merchandise up for grabs. Find both inside the Bengals app. With the win, the Bengals remain in a tie for first in the AFC North with Baltimore. The Ravens eked out a 10-9 win over Denver on Sunday after Lamar Jackson exited with a knee injury. Baltimore says it's not season-ending, but it sounds like Jackson could miss some time. The Ravens' next two games are on the road in the division, at Pittsburgh next week and at Cleveland the following week. Now, time for this week's Radio Guys Recap. Lap, we love our jobs, but some days are better than others, and that was about as fun as it gets. What a game. Another classic between the Bengals and the Chiefs, and I'm still processing the fact that they beat that team three times in one calendar year. By a total of nine points. <laughs> three times by three-point uh, um, victories. Uh, it, it, it's really quite incredible. I mean, when you look at this one, though, uh, Joe Burrow does his thing, throws for 286 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions, quarterback rating 126-plus. P. Ryan goes for 106 on 21 carries, five yards a carry. And then Jamar Chase comes back, seven catches on eight targets for 97 yards, almost 14 per with a long of 40. I mean, they're balanced. Uh, they're difficult to deal with when, you, when you've got all of that. And the opposite side of it, I mean, they, they shut down Kelsey. That was the big thing. Uh, he, he was the second leading receiver with 56 yards. Uh, Valdez Scanning had 71. I mean, but I mean... They, they, Mahomes didn't throw for 300 yards. The Bengals have still to give up a 300-yard passing day. Mahomes had six in a row coming into this football game. It's just a complete team effort again. Offense, defense, special teams, everybody contributed. And when you're playing against a team as good as the Kansas City Chiefs, everybody does have to contribute. You have to play a complete game, there's no doubt. Let's talk about the uh, coffin nails moment after the two-minute warning. What was better, the throw, the catch, or the call by Zach Taylor? All of it. Man, I mean, you know, this this team has what I think is a quiet confidence. I think they're extremely confident, but there's not a lot of trash talk and all that sort of thing, and I, I think they handle, you know, their confidence in a very, very likable way, uh, except for opponents, obviously. But, I mean, I, I think that they, they handle that so well. And for Zach to go for the win – you know, to go for the throat right there, you know, and, it, and it's over. And then have the confidence that his quarterback will make the right play and and then the receiver will, on, the, on the other end of it will, will as well. It was big, I mean. But I'll tell you, a big thing in that football game, Trey Henderson checks out. He taps out. He's tired. In comes Joseph Asai, and he's going against Orlando Zeus Brown, a hell of a player. Beats him right away inside, you know, fresh legs, fresh off the bench. And he just, he, he motored, man. And, uh, and he got he got Mahomes to step up in the pocket and retrace the steps, took his feet out from under him, 
and and got that quarterback sack, which led to the 55-yard field goal, which was wide right. I mean, that's where talking about roster depth. We've talked about it, you know, with Joe Mixon down, with Jamar Chase down, and even when guys aren't down, the fact that you can roll people in and have confidence rolling a bunch of guys in, and Osai made a huge, huge play, no question. I'll tell you who is really happy, Tyler Boyd. Uh, he doesn't have to, you know, feel guilty for uh, the first drop of the year or one of the very few drops he's had in several years. Hit him in the head. Is that right? Yeah, it hit him in the face mask. I didn't. Th- yeah. It looked like it hit him in both hands, though, too. It, it grazed off his face mask. So, I mean, to, I guess he just didn't judge it right because it wasn't that difficult. I mean, he, he never really found it properly, I guess. I'm thinking, boy, did you take your eyes off it? No, not if it hit you in the face mask. <laughs> your eyes are right there. Uh, I guess it just got up on him faster than he expected because he couldn't find it. Yeah, just didn't concentrate as, as well as he normally would and, you know, put his hands up there and goes right through and hits him in the head. Unbelievable. That's, that's, uh, that's crazy because, I mean, if there's one guy that Joe Burrow would feel confident throwing the ball to 100 times out of 100, it would be Tyler Boyd in a, in a big play situation like that. But, you know, credit, credit the Bengals. They, they had some miscues. I mean, on the, uh, on the big play by Carlos Dunlap, Nobody had an assignment error. He's unblocked. He's left unblocked. They're optioning off of him. And usually the defensive end, when he's unblocked like that, at that spot in the goal line, he's just, you know, un- unsure. Should I close? Is it a run? You know, what is this? And he just decided, you know, he's unaccounted for. Up the field he comes, and he won. He won, he guessed right. If there's anything, if there's anybody that would do anything to avoid contact, though, initially, <laughs> it would be Carlos. And ripping up the football field is, is probably, you know, he took a chance. He rolled the dice to make a big play, and if he had guessed wrong, he would have looked. He would have been a goat. He guessed right, and he was a hero uh, for that for that particular play. But if head gotten around him, they walk into the end zone. But he. Uh, he made a decision that turned out to be the only decision that would have blown that play up, and he made it. Patrick Mahomes came into the game with a career passer rating of 105.7, best in NFL history. One of the interesting things about it, his regular season passer rating is 105.7. His postseason passer rating is 105.7. The guy's unbelievable. The Bengals held him a little below that today at 98.2. Joe Burrow outplayed him. 25 for 31, 286 yards, two touchdowns, no picks, passer rating of 126.6, ran for more than 40 yards, ran for a touchdown. Uh, We said it earlier in the week, when you take on the Chiefs, your quarterback doesn't necessarily have to have better stats, but he's got to match them to a certain degree, and Burrow legitimately outplayed him. He did, and he's done it three straight times. I mean, he's, he's been the victor in terms of not only the team winning the football game, but him matching up with a great quarterback, equaling that effort or exceeding that effort, that's hard to do three times in less than a calendar year. So hats off to Joe Burrow. I mean, the way he his, – his poise is, is spectacular. Uh, there, there's, there's no question about it. And, and his patience is you, – sometimes you have to have a hurried patience. And I know that sounds contrarian, um, but you, you, you can't be overly patient. He has just enough patience where he takes it till the last instant and then makes the perfect decision at the last instant. It's incredible the way he just strings the defense. He's got him on a yo-yo, and he strings them along as, as long as he possibly can, and then a high, high, high percentage of the time does exactly what he should do in that situation. It is mind-boggling. 
Jermaine Pratt leads the Bengals in tackles this year. He made the play of the day defensively today, ripping it away from Travis Kelsey, then recovering the fumble. Is Jermaine Pratt the Bengals' defensive MVP? I know we've got, you know, several games to go, so this is not a final decision. But to this point, is he the Bengals' defensive MVP? I mean, he's he makes the flash splash plays as well as, like you said, he's the, he's the leading tackler on the football team as well. Now, Logan Wilson missed mm-hmm. some time with a shoulder injury. I would not trade that tandem of linebackers for any, really, mm-hmm. in the National Football League. I mean, you know, the, the offensive line is playing so very well together. That linebacker group is playing so very well together, particularly those two, those two guys leading the way. But, yeah, I mean, you can make a case that uh, Jermaine Pratt could be defensive MVP. But what you like about this football team, you can throw a few hats in the, in the ring, you know. I mean, mm-hmm. it's not just one guy in a landslide kind of thing. Everybody's doing th- some things and a lot of things at a very, very high level. They're, uh, they're a fun team to watch. There's no doubt about it. And, um, man, they just they look adversity square in the face and say, better luck next time. Let me follow up on the O-line. Kansas City came in fifth in the NFL in sacks, more this year than they had all of last year. The only sack today was when Joe gave himself up yep. at the two-minute warning. Chris Jones was neutralized. They had a 100-yard rusher. I mean, the offensive line played a tremendous game today. They did. I mean, coming into the football game, the Kansas City Chiefs, um, they were plus 18 in the sack department. And uh, so they say that the Chiefs got two sacks. The Bengals had one. So they were plus one in that uh, Bengals allowed one. Oh, no, the Bengals were plus one. The Chiefs allowed two. The Bengals allowed one. So the Bengals go plus one in a situation where uh, the Chiefs had accumulated uh, 35 and given up 17. And they were plus 18, which is, you know, third in the NFL. So that protection pressure ratio, they were, they were dominant in it. And I thought that the, uh, the Bengals stepped up and I thought the offensive line controlled the line of scrimmage. You have a running back average five yards a carry. You have a quarterback that uh, basically, for a good part of the game, well into the fourth quarter, they had not allowed a hit, a quarterback hit or a quarterback sack mm. against that football team. And, and when you look at it, I think this football game came down to two things. The guy you had to deal with offensively was Kelsey. They neutralized him. guy you had to deal with defensively was Jones. They neutralized him. So, you know, both sides from a game plan standpoint and the execution of the game plan standpoint, they took uh, those two guys' contributions and minimized them big time. So in 2022, the Bengals have owned the Kansas City Chiefs. Now next week they've got to try to beat the team they can't beat, the Cleveland Browns. Joe's Ofer against the Browns, and he's undefeated against Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> and who have the quarterbacks been with the Cleveland Browns? That's the National Football League in a nutshell. It is crazy. But this football team's playing at a much different level than they were when they went up to Cleveland. They were playing well, but, um, you know, and you have stinkers. They happen. But man, everybody was so upset that the stinker happened on national TV in primetime against the Cleveland Browns, of all people. Knock them in the river. You couldn't knock them in the lake up there, but knock them in the river down here. <laughs> well, the Browns uh, gave up a ton of money and maybe mortgaged a little of their soul in making the trade for Deshaun Watson. They gave up a ton of draft picks as well. Now we've got the first Watson versus Burrow game coming up next Sunday. Yeah, and um, I, I bet the speed of the game was was a, a, an adjustment for Watson. Um, it would not surprise me if they – move him out of pocket 
and cut the field in half and allow him to make easy reads to one side of the football field instead of you know having to look at it, particularly the way Lou Anarumo is mixing things up with quarterbacks that have played multiple games in the last 700 days, not like uh, you know Watson who's played one game in the last 700 days. So um, I think it's going to be it's going to be interesting. I think the uh, the pressure packages, how how they're going to rush Watson and maybe try to make him play left-handed. That's what Lou Anarumo does so well. He makes teams play left-handed. They take Kelsey away, make them play left-handed, you know. They take away their, their star player. They take away uh, the quarterback's strength and make the quarterback play left-handed, whether it's with his feet or his throwing arm. You have to, you know, minimize one and, and make him make you use, beat you using the one that's not as good. Uh, he's, Anarumo has done an unbelievable job of putting together game plans and I know his players appreciate it, um, respect it, um, think he's the best thing since sliced bread, mm-hmm. and they want to go out there and play hard for him. And they certainly are. You know what I want to do tonight? Go back and watch this game again. I'm telling you, instant classic. Yeah. It's the third instant classic in less than a calendar year yeah. against the same team. Unbelievable. So Cleveland comes to town next week looking to beat the Bengals for the sixth consecutive time and for the ninth time in their last 10 meetings. Deshaun Watson made his return to the field on Sunday after sitting out for nearly two years, and the Browns won at Houston 27-14. Watson was clearly rusty. He threw for 131 yards with no touchdowns, one pick, and a passer rating of 53.4. The Bengals Booth Podcast is presented by Alta Fiber, future-proof fiber internet capable of delivering multi-gigabit speeds designed to take your home, business, and community to a new level. Elevate your connection with Alta Fiber. Finally, it's time for this week's Fun Facts interview, where we get to know the person under the pads. Time for some fun facts with cornerback Alan George from Andalusia, Alabama, a small town in the southern part of the state, not too far from the Florida line. Describe Andalusia and what it was like growing up there. Andalusia is a very quaint city, super small, uh, like less than 9,000 people. Um, Everybody knows your business, whether it's good or bad, uh, and that could be a good or bad thing. Uh, But it's a good place to uh, to, to raise kids, uh, to get like a firm foundation. Not a lot of trouble goes on down there. so I enjoyed living there growing up. There's, there's, it's a, there's maybe like six to nine stop lights in the entire city. Um, so it's just kind of like a carefree little little world because you're, you're like 30 minutes away from the nearest interstate almost. So, um, yeah, it, it's kind of like your own little world because you, you don't really get to see much of the outside world unless you intentionally try and go out. How about shopping and stuff like that? How far did you have to go to to get good gear and things like that? Yeah, uh, there's like there's a couple like we, we have these stores down there called Hibbit Sports. Um, there, there's just like a maybe like two of them in the city. Uh, but other than that, if you're gonna like go big time shopping as, as we like used to call it, uh, you'd have to go to Dothan, uh, which is like a an hour drive away, uh, maybe like an hour fifteen. So. Yeah, it's it's not like we're not, we're so secluded. We're we're so far away from everything. We're visiting with Alan George. You were a four-year starting point guard in high school. Was basketball your first love? Yeah, yeah, it was. Um, I, the, it wasn't the first sport I played because I played baseball. Um, uh, but when I started playing basketball in, in fifth grade, I was just 
looking for something to, to get me out of Andalusia sports-wise. Um, and I thought basketball was my ticket, and I loved it com- completely because I didn't start playing football until later. So it it literally took over my whole life, everything. I, I thought I was one of the Ballers Life kids um, mm-hmm. wearing, like, sleeves and headbands to class and stuff like that. And I, I really thought that was my, that my like that was going to be my way out, but it, it obviously was not. What changed? Um, my dad. I really I stopped growing, um, <laughs> and my dad was like, "Son, you're either going to be uh, you're either going to be an average height um, point guard, or or you're going to be a big corner." And he's like, "You you can either stay out here and and maybe maybe get a chance to go play at like a community college in basketball or." Uh, give yourself a good chance to make it pro in, in football uh, because that's just how the game was changing at the time with big bigger corners. Um, so he kind of saw it, saw it to the future for me uh, at, at a young age. So I, I very much thank him for that. Your dad is a wise man. We are talking to Alan George. When did colleges start to show an interest? Oh, that's a that's another one. Yeah, because I didn't start playing football till I was 15. Uh, so I didn't get the typical 15 year old star in high school um I didn't get that type of recruitment because uh, a lot of people get their their recruit or their their offers and stuff like early junior year and stuff like that but I didn't get my first offer until um second semester like basketball season of, of my senior year mm-hmm. um I was just at lunch one day and I got a call from uh, Jacksonville University down in Florida and I, I, I from that point on I, I literally thought I was the the top of the, I thought I was the cream of the crop at that point. And I was, I, I my thought, none, my stuff didn't stink at all. And, uh, it was, it was just a, it was, it was good to be able to get noticed because like, like I said, not that many people ever get to make it out uh, from sports. So I was happy to, to get at least one school. So you ultimately chose Vanderbilt playing in the sec while also attending one of the most prestigious academic universities in the country. How difficult is it to balance football and class at Vandy? It's, it's by far the hardest thing I've ever done in my entire life. Um, it's you won't ever know how it actually is unless you are in it. Um, and I can't even speak for like those who go to Duke or, or Stanford or Northwestern and stuff like that. But I can imagine that theirs is pretty similar to ours. Um, so that maybe those are the only type of people who would really understand um, because it's, it truly is extremely, extremely hard for, especially for. You're not you're not as as wise as you think you are. Whenever you're a 17, 18 year old coming in, so when you get up there and you have to make that crazy adjustment to time management, it's it's so 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 hard. Uh, so I, I I thank I thank myself that I got through it, and I thank the university and my support system for everything that that helped me get through. But it's extremely trying, and if I had to go back, like knowing what I know now, if I went back to 17, there's no way that I would. I could think that I would put myself through it because it, it really is so hard. And I, I didn't know if I was that mentally tough to put myself through it, honestly. Let's specifically talk about football. We've all heard the old saying, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Mm-hmm. When you're at Vandy and you're playing Alabama, LSU, Texas mm-hmm. A&M, et cetera, on a weekly basis, how tough is that knowing, quite honestly, going into the game that you're a long shot? Yeah, it's saw uh, it's give and take, really. Uh, you you kind of listen to the outside crowd a little bit, and maybe some people use that as motivation. But uh, it's it's kind of like a they're not playing, and we are. So uh, we we have to be the ones to to change the narrative on everything. So 
we take it with a chip on our shoulder uh, every game, whether we're the favorite, which might be never. Um, but whether we're the favorite or, or not, we're, we're going to go into the game with the utmost confidence. There's never a game that I went into or that anybody at Vandy that I know of went into and, and felt like, oh, why are we even playing this game? We know we're going to lose. We always thought that we had a great chance of winning. We always felt prepared. Um, so we really don't take that much outside noise, and we just kind of worry about what we went on, what, what went on in the locker room and, like, our preparation. Did it make you stronger? Oh, 100%. Yeah. I, I, and I was telling people that here when I was in training camp because they, they like to rag on me going to Vandy and supporting my college. And I, I was at the beginning of the year, I was telling them, and we were 2-0 and and stuff like that. And uh, they were all, they were like, yeah, you went, you went to Vandy. It doesn't really matter. Uh, but it I was like, it definitely made me stronger because going there, you don't always get to play with – extreme high-level NFL prospects that go day one and stuff like that. So it, whenever you do end up making it to the other side and you are one of the ones that gets to go to the NFL, um, it kind of – I wouldn't say it, it makes you more comfortable, but it, it definitely lightens your load because you're not used to playing with so much help everywhere. Um, so whenever I got up here, I was like, dang, my D-line is superior, like – they get after the quarterback. My offense. I know if I get them the ball, they're gonna score. So it makes me. It makes doing my job a lot easier. Uh, I feel like, and it gives, just gives me a lot more confidence. So at Vanderbilt in 2019, you faced LSU, the mm-hmm. team that went on to win the national championship. Joe yeah. Burrow threw six touchdown passes that day. He did it to everybody. So don't feel bad. Mm-hmm. What did you learn about Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase from competing against them? I just uh, learned they're different, uh, and I mean that in. And the way, like, they're, like, different, different. Like, they, their preparation mentally uh, is insane. And their chemistry together is also just off the charts. Uh, you can't really beat somebody. Once they're, once you have chemistry down, you, it's really unbeatable, honestly. Um, so I, I, that was a day that I, I, I took the, all the good things to learn from, uh, but I just threw the rest out because I, it's not a memory that I even want to go back to. I, I, sometimes I just can't even think about it. Sorry to bring it up. We're doing fun facts with Alan George. So in July, before your final year at Vanderbilt, you got married yes. to a Vanderbilt cheerleader. What was it like for the two of you to be married as college students? Yeah, um, me, me, I'm on and Caitlin's relationship. Uh, it, def, it, it started uh, spring semester of my freshman year uh, or our freshman year. And, um, yeah, it just blossomed into something that we could have never imagined. It was uh, – we, we – went into it intentionally dating uh, we, and we both date with intentions uh, not to just have fun and or just to have a companion and stuff like that but it was with the intention of marrying and we and we we didn't know that um so uh it didn't come to our surprise as a, or to us and, and going to vandy at a private university is such a tight-knit community uh it kind of forced us to be around each other more and, and advance and grow up faster than the, the normal 21 year old so um i would say that that helped accelerate our marriage or, or at least the engagement process. Uh, so a lot of people, they, they used to, like, come joke in and be like, oh, you got married too young, you got married too young, you have no clue, we just wait till you start living with her and stuff like that. But we, we were already kind of living, to, like, like, I know a lot of people say that, but we were already kind of living together at Vandy. And we, we were both away from our family in different states, so we, we leaned on each other a lot for, our, like, our independent uh, nature. So it, it definitely helped us out. If anybody wants to know how you pop the question, they can watch it online. Describe how you set up kind of a fake photo shoot and then videotaped your proposal. Yeah, I was um, 
so we had the COVID year uh, that happened, and I was planning that year to, to propose. I knew I was going to propose that year because I had wrote it in my notes um, back in, like, 2019 uh, that I, my, in my phone. I wrote that I, was, I had to propose to her. At least, I think I said marry her by so-and-so, so-and-so, and I had a date then. But, um, yeah, I, I, I was planning to propose to her at the Mercer game. We had Mercer to play that year, and since she's from Buford, Georgia, I was like, oh, this is a great game to get her family and friends to come up. Uh, she won't even suspect that maybe she'll think they're coming up to see their friends play at Mercer or something. Um, but I was like, dang, they just cut our schedule, and we don't have Mercer anymore. We're playing an SEC-only schedule. So I just started thinking fast on my feet, and then uh, she hit me up, and she was like, hey, uh, we aren't traveling to all the away games this year as cheerleaders, uh, but I want to get one more picture with you in our uniforms uh, just to do like a senior photo shoot. And I was like, okay, great. As soon as, as soon as she said that, I got the phone with her, and I was like, I started calling all my teammates. I was trying to put it all together. Um, and then, yeah, it just worked out that uh, one of my teammates, he, he was, like, starting his YouTube channel at the time. Uh, and I was very good friends with our photographer at Vandy. And she um, she was she was like, Andre, the, the other teammate, she was like, Andre, can you um, just act as if you're you're trying to learn how to use your camera since you just got it for your YouTube channel? And uh, I told Caitlin, I was, I was like, she's, uh, I was like, Erica's gonna be filming us or shooting for us, but Andre is gonna just be there trying to learn from her. He's just like an apprentice, and she was all in for it, and she, nice. she didn't suspect anything. So when we got out there on the field, we staged the whole thing, and Erica helped out a lot, and she, she told her to turn around and flip her hair, and I was just sitting there right behind her. So it all worked out really great. I recommend checking it out. Easy to find on the internet if you search for Alan George's proposal or something along those lines. Are you a big goal setter? Uh, what you just shared about writing down that you plan to propose. Do you write down long-term goals and things like that? Yeah, I do. Um, I, I do try to live in the moment as much as I can. But when it comes to things that are way down the line or I feel like they're way down the line, um, I do end up trying to trying to I'm a big list maker I make a lot of lists there's so many lists in my phone uh so I I, I do kind of chart out things and, and my wife also helps me out with that a lot she's a huge planner she loves to plan uh so we have like a year like a life plan hmm. all the way up to like 2030 so uh just to just to try to kind of give us a a, a base as to where we're headed I need to introduce you to my 16-year-old son. He could use some goal setting. (laughs) Trust me. So you signed with the Bengals as a college free agent. Mm -hmm. Did you expect to get drafted? And when that didn't happen, why did you sign with Cincinnati? Yeah, I did. Uh, I did expect to get drafted. Um, And a lot of people might hear that as a surprise or something, but I just believe in myself uh, to the utmost high. And uh, I just – when I came out, I was I was told my coaches uh, at Vandy like I'm doing this for me, and you can believe in me or not. I'm gonna bet on myself to win, uh, and if they, if it doesn't work out, then it doesn't work out. But um, there's not gonna I'm not gonna leave any room for uh, the what ifs. Like what if I what if I didn't or what if I did go out this year and stuff like that. So uh, yeah, I just I just fully bet it. I bet on myself to win and, and come out on top. And when it didn't happen on draft day, I had all my friends there, um, big room. <clears throat> and the top of my apartment complex, and it was just like a, it was probably like one of the most sad days of my life, because um, I just I like I said I fully invested in myself, and and my wife did also, and we were all the way up, and uh, then when no one called, because um, I talked to like seventeen, sixteen teams all leading up to draft day, people are asking for my numbers and stuff like that so they can reach me, uh, and then none of them ended up contacting me and my agent, so I just I kind of just 
I, my dad said I held it together really well because I, I didn't I didn't really show a chink in the armor at all. But inside, I was just killed, and um, I, I kind of rolled on to the the very last like as soon as the last draft pick went across the screen, uh, my agent called and he was like, uh, "All right, well we got these teams set up, so these teams set up." So it uh it didn't it didn't go the way as planned, but um, God made a way, and and that's all I can really ask for. You signed with the Bengals. You had a great training camp. You played almost every snap in the preseason. Yeah. And then you made your NFL debut in Week 9 against Carolina. Can you describe the emotions that went through your mind and, and your heart as you got to make your NFL debut? I was just thinking, like, dang, I'm about to run out on the field in, a, in the black jersey at first because I was like, we wore white all preseason. So I was just super naive, I guess, in the moment. I was like, dang, we haven't worn the black. They haven't seen me in the black at all. I haven't even seen myself. So – uh, I was just happy to be out there uh, rocking the black jerseys. Um, and then when I finally got out onto the field, uh, everything just kind of – it didn't feel like super preseason-ish, but it, it, I definitely felt more comfortable uh, just in that setting instead of just standing on the sideline in street clothes or something like that. Like I felt like, I, oh, man, this is where I belong because I, I truly do feel that I belong out on the field Um so I just I just want to help out in any capacity, really, uh, whether it be on, on actual defense or on special teams. So um, I'm here to help. I'm here to, to serve. Uh, I'm, I'm going to give my effort, my best effort, every single time I'm out there. So I, I just take every single play, whatever snap, however many snaps I get. If I get one snap or if I get 80, uh, I'm going to be thrilled and I'm going to give all I got. All right, a few wild card topics for Alan George to wrap things up. Do you have any hidden talents? I'm 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 learning ASL right now. Um, I've been learning sign language since I was. Made. My mom, she's she kind of got us into it. She's a teacher, and she got us into it um, whenever she was getting her um, her uh, masters. And uh, it's just kind of something that I fell in love with, and I'm pretty pretty adept in it, I would say, but not anywhere where I need. I, if I if I was surrounded by uh, uh, hard of hearing people or anybody that was deaf, they probably would just make fun of me because I, I sign I sign super slow right now, but I'm still learning. Um, but then other than that, I guess I just play a lot of video games, um, and I love Call of Duty a lot. Uh, and I, I I was about to, I was like on the semi pro amateur um, level uh, for a good bit, like almost about to turn pro when I was 14 years old. Um, uh, so I was I was pretty serious about playing competitive Call of Duty for a long time. And, and now eSports e has, has taken off to a, a level that we did not imagine it back then. So uh, I just wonder, like, maybe if I would have stuck with that, uh, maybe I, I would have been professional in two things, and that would have been kind of like a Bo Jackson story or something like that. <laughs> well, I think it worked out well for you, but maybe someday you can go back and turn pro in eSports. Who is your all-time favorite athlete in any sport and why? Ooh. It's probably super cliche, but I would just have to say LeBron. Um, love LeBron and, and everything he stands for, really. Um, he's – I can't imagine having that much pressure on me when I was, when I was 18 years old, having the, the whole world watch you since you were 18, um, and you just really don't make the, like, super, super wrong moves off the court uh, and on the court. So – I mean, he's been criticized, obviously, uh, for like things like maybe going to the Heat and stuff like that, and starting these super teams. But um, when you judge his character, I feel like there's really not 
any flaws, uh, which is it's kind of hard to to even wrap your mind around that that somebody that's been media glorified uh, since they were 18 that you can't really find any flaws or, or some dirt or bad articles on the news and stuff like that. So I just I more so look at him for his character and off the field than on the field. What do you like to spend your money on? I'm pretty frugal, I would say. Uh, my wife, she's probably going to hear this or, or read it, and she's going to be like, yeah, he does it. He hates any type of money being spent. He looks at his bank account every day, and if something goes out, he's always he's <laughs> complaining about it. Um, but uh, I would say I like to spend money on uh, – I really do love to spend money on shoes. Uh, I kind of calmed that down once I started dating Caitlin. Um because I just realized it was bigger than me. Um, but whenever we do have kids uh, down the road, I can't wait to buy them shoes. I, I buy, I get Caitlin a, a new pair. I think two pairs of shoes every year. Um, one for her birthday and then one for Christmas. So I just try to. I, I just lo- I love buying shoes, whether they're for me or anybody else. All right. Final fun fact. This one's kind of deep. If you could meet anybody in history, who would that person be? Oh my goodness gracious. I think I'd go with Martin Luther King. Maybe pick. I just want to pick his pick his brain about how he dealt with what he dealt with, uh, and how he how he could even have the mindset to deal with it that way. Um, because you could have went you could have went with it in so many different avenues. Um, maybe maybe just sit down and have lunch with him one day or something. That would be so cool to just talk with him for like an hour uh, and just kind of soak up as much knowledge and information that I could. So. I would say him. If I, if I had to do it off the cuff or on the spot, then I would, I would just say him. It's an excellent answer. This has been fun. I appreciate your time. Best of luck the rest of the year. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. That's going to do it for this episode of the Bengals Booth Podcast presented by Kettering Health, the official health care provider of the Bengals. By Bengals Picks and Ultimate Bengals, they're free to play with tickets and signed merchandise up for grabs. By Paycor, the official HR software provider of the Bengals. And by AltaFiber, future-proof fiber internet. Elevate your connection with AltaFiber. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe to this podcast. And if you have a minute, give it a rating or share a comment. That helps more Bengals fans find us. I'm Dan Horde, and thanks for listening to the Bengals Booth Podcast.